0: If you've got a choice between working for this company and this company, and one company's got a Briam excellent building or a Briam very good and a rooftop terrace, and the other you've got a burger van down the road and it's really dark and really grim in your office, I think you know which one you'll you'll go and choose.
1: Welcome to Thrivalism. Interactions podcast focused on the art of thriving, flourishing and evolving under any conditions. In this series we'll examine how to create thriving businesses, culture, careers and places. We'll explore key topics such as workplace design and build, culture and community, sustainability and of course the future of work. Join us and our guests as we explore how people and businesses can set themselves up to thrive, not just survive. I'm here with Sarah Tahir who is Associate Director at Cubex. Cubex have literally changed the urban landscape of Bristol. Best known for bringing the derelict Courage Brewery out of administration and in the midst of the 2000s recession, it was caused itself by the risk of property funding and have transformed it into a million square feet of mixed use development and arguably the best office accommodation in the city. It is a perfect example of an organisation that has thrived by embracing challenges. Sarah is passionate about construction, placemaking, and communities, and seeing that people are inspired to thrive in the property industry. Sarah, welcome to Thrivalism. Fantastic to have you with us. Thank you. Good stuff. Well, you've recently joined Cubex. That is a business whose culture and vision you must have liked to want to be part of it. What was it that made you want to join? I think for me, one of the things that I found with property
0: is the breadth that you can do. So, from From how I started out, um, I started out on my placement year, working with a contractor, then moved into the consultancy side and always had the itch to go onto the client side. But as a developer, in terms of having almost slightly more control of your destiny, because as a developer, you can can do whatever. So it's not a case of you have one niche. If you go to a, a company like Cubex, where you're only looking at student accommodation or you're looking at just one niche of property. Whereas with Cubex, it's what do we want to build? Because we've got funding in house, we've got other funds who we can use, and and that's sort of where we are. And I'd also would just say, COVID has clearly been very quick for you because I've definitely been at Cubex for well over a year. Just everyone's kind of forgotten about 2020, so <laughs> <That is very laughs> we'll true. sort of we'll go for we'll go for yes recent recent starts, but. Um, Let's not count COVID twenty twenty, perhaps.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I was thinking about Finzels rich, and it feels for lots of people that that development is coming to a close because it's obviously been going on for so long. I'm sure it doesn't feel like that inside. Again, how how is Cubex maintaining that momentum to, I suppose, build on the success that it, that's already achieved there?
0: So pre my time, but one of the things that was really important when starting the Finzels development was was to set up the brand of Finzels and to really think about what community are you trying to create? And actually, probably the best way to create a quality community is to to brand it, to work out what does it feel like? What are you wanting to say to the outside world? And so I think that's one of the things that is so strong about Finzels is it's got a real identity. Sustainable office buildings is obviously something that's massive to us. So you go to Finzels and you look at the office accommodation down there, they're all, they're all Briam buildings. They're all built to the highest quality Briam at the time. And we will have two Briam outstanding buildings by the time we complete Halo. So that's important. But then you also go with the quality of the accommodation side we've built and what retail aspects we've wanted to put in terms of food and beverage. We've thought about the quality that we're delivering and the quality of those tenants and bringing the likes of Granger and Build to Rent to Bristol as a city. Is, it's quite important to be progressive and to be modern. And I think that's probably one of the really important things for us. And also in terms of Finzels, we're we're on our way out of it. So for us, it's that one of going, we've created this, this great community, but we haven't finished yet. And so we've still got sort of two and a half years of building to go because buildings take quite a while to, uh, to build or so contractors tell me anyway. And therefore we've still got that passion to keep Creating this this incredible area, and to keep seeing it thrive and supporting the Finzels Reach market. So, during COVID times, obviously it struck those guys really hard in the hospitality sector. So, they actually asked if we could do it on two days a week instead of just the one day a week, and and we were we were really supportive and, and really keen to see that happen. So. I think it's the one of just because a building's finished, don't think that's not you. You like to look back and, and make sure you're proud of what you build. And that comes from the very start of setting out what's the expectation? What does it look like? How does the community feel? What's the quality of everything around it? What's the quality of of life? So people being able to live there, to work there, to eat there that's really important to be able to exercise there, to think about that. Do
1: you think you have a unique kind of, I suppose, insider's point of view? Because you? I know you've trained as an architect, so you've trained as a as a QS, you brought those skills together and you're now client side and able to kind of set that destiny. Does that give you a bit of an insider's point of view of what success looks like and then sitting on that platform of Cubex?
0: I think it gives me an empathy. I'd probably, it probably is unique. I'd, I haven't met someone else who's got an architect's degree followed by a QS. They're normally two very different people, and I can say that. <laughs> and then who's then gone into project management and then decided to become a developer. So it probably is unique, but I think it's that empathy with different disciplines, with understanding what each of them are trying to achieve and what their real drivers are. So an architect and a QS driver is very different. And I think that's really important. And then the the developer side is, is really thinking, what's the best use of this space? Whereas What I found before with construction is you came when the project was already decided. You didn't really have that engagement of going, do we put a student scheme here? Do we put a residential scheme here? Do we put an office here? You don't have that. You just get told, this is what it is. This is what the budget is. Crack on. So I think that's really good that actually I've got those three sides of me and I've learned from doing lots of very different projects and therefore I can put that all in to make sure that actually, when we're building it, we think about buildability. I think that's probably the uniqueness. Is actually, I've delivered construction projects of varying types. So when I'm looking at when we're looking at sites and acquisitions, we think about buildability more than perhaps perhaps you could
1: otherwise. Yeah, it feels like a, a really good fit because obviously. I suppose you mentioned that QX is self-funded. It's able to kind of create a solution which is maybe less driven by some of the numbers that other developers are and are able to give a little bit more time and a little bit more money to those things around community and placemaking and stuff like that. Is it something you think is a really good fit?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think it's not a funding thing that drives whether you put more money into placemaking. It's, It's what's you want the place to be. And it's it's really about what your quality drivers are. So from from that side of things, I, I would say that's probably the biggest driver really for us is is the starting point of going, how does this place feel? And you tailor the budget accordingly. So if you if you have to change something else, you have to change something else to make sure you've got enough to, to do
1: the placemaking side of things yeah so what excites you in terms of i mean Finsel's reach is a unique proposition for bristol in terms of that development and the time it's taken and 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 a great space it is what excites you in terms of the city about the next Finsels reach if you like i mean what, what's the space that is going to change so significantly and, and be really good placemaking for, for the city
0: that's a very good question i don't know if i'm best placed to uh to answer that one i'll, I'll be honest because from our side of things what What we look at is being able to see a space which you can put multiple uses on it, but Perhaps the scale of Finzels is that is a very long-term ownership, but it's divided into a lot of different parts. So that's quite important to us. We're probably not looking at those aspects of big areas of of Bristol that have got multiple different ownerships because that's not what Finzels was. I think it's what mm. people maybe perhaps see Finzels as being because there are now multiple different owners, but actually there haven't in the past. There's been two. So the fire station where we are now, and then obviously you mentioned before about the administration before. So there have actually only been two owners originally, and and now there's quite a few. So I think Finzels is unique in in that aspect. And it will be interesting to see what happens when the government support finishes as to whether that frees up quite a lot of space in that same guise because of distressed owners. Hopefully that won't be the case, but I think we're all sort of expecting at some point we're going to go into a recession, and therefore what happened previously could could well happen, and it will all depend on whether there's a landowner who actually earns quite a few pockets in one area, or it's a very large site is is the other one. But you might find that you get a, a huge office that is on the out of town that needs to be redeveloped, and actually office isn't the right use for that type, and. That'll be, I think that will be the interesting one is actually if there's larger swathes or, or the largest shopping centres. I mean, the out town ones have probably done better than the uh, city centre ones at the moment. But those I think those sorts of things could be it. I think it could be the, the massive shopping centres being repurposed and, and maybe they're a little bit further outside of the city.
1: Yeah, I mean certainly uh, the industries that thrived, I suppose, during COVID, and, and logistics is is one of those. And I know that's an area that yeah, you know, lots of developers are, are are looking at and and seeing what the opportunities are. What does CubeX bring to that market, and you know, kind of what does its unique position as being uh, a provider of mixed use schemes and highly sustainable offices? What's it like going into that market, which is a little bit different?
0: So I think. I think for us it's it's the sustainability side of things so logistics it's not the it's not the wow factor of property it's, pro- it's probably not as exciting as some other buildings that you can see i think if someone if someone designed a logistics shed like the gherkin they they might not be doing very well so i think that's probably its its stigma against it is they might be seen as just being sheds and that it doesn't matter on that side of things. And and what is important is how the staff feel. There's still a lot of staff that are employed within that space. So think about how you're designing the office accommodation for those staff. The obvious one is, if you've got a building, put your office on the south because it gets more light. Don't put it in the north because it's normally normally on one area. Whereas the, the perks you get with an office normally is, You've got all sides to the building, you've got all corners. But actually that's quite a quite an important, but it's probably not necessarily thought about of going, what happens what happens to the staff? And then similarly, rooftop terraces. You've got a huge area of rooftop, put photovoltaics and go for the sustainable side of things. There's not that many industrial schemes that are probably five years old that are any form of BRIAM rating to them. The likes of Amazon are definitely pushing that very hard now which is which is great because we all need to see the sustainability agenda. I think everyone is now and, and that's definitely all the funds are also pushing it very hard so that's really important because that will see the change in the industry that people will look and they will demand and they will expect it. So for us as CubeX it's it's exactly what we've been doing all along thinking about the sustainability and thinking about the placemaking that's still got a role in logistics it's got an avenue because it's got an avenue any, everywhere because wherever people are in a building that's
1: important so i think that's really our sell does it feel like an unsophisticated market in some respects as, as it sits now and, and is it going to be the place where we're going to see the most innovation and the most change in the landscape as we drive around the outskirts of our cities and yeah, you know?
0: i think you'll see the biggest change from what you saw five years ago. I think that's probably what it is. But I think also you might not actually physically see it because ultimately they still look the same. You've probably still got a, a box that looks the same. It just performs very differently. So I think I think to someone who doesn't work in that building, they won't notice it and you won't necessarily see it apart from you'll probably see more of them. But what you will see is the people who work within them will go to quality. Occupiers uh, will demand it. And ultimately employees, if you've got a choice between working for this company and this company, and one company's got a Briam excellent building or a Briam very good and a rooftop terrace and the other, you've got a burger van down the road and it's really dark and really grim in your office. I think you know which one you'll you'll go and choose if money is no object and if they're very similar salaries. Certainly I know which one I'd choose. So I think it's probably less so for those outside it and much more so for those who actually work in those buildings and that's really important.
1: Does it, does it feel a little bit like, I suppose, with all of those sectors now, the pressure is coming finally from every part. So from the funders, from the communities, from the employees, from the occupiers. And it's finally all of those pieces aligning that is making the developers react, or do you think the developers like Cubex have been pushing?
0: I think it's a bit of both. I think there'll be some developers who haven't done it and who who aren't aren't necessarily aware of it as well. That I think that's a big part, particularly for the logistics. I think everyone in the office side of things knows about Briam and have done for quite a few years, and part of that is is actually probably because most councils demand it for planning. So therefore most people know about it. But Briam in industrial just hasn't, people don't know about it. I think industrial is quite similar to the house house building market in you know your sector very well. And so if no one else is doing it and you never had to look outside and see what, That element was, you wouldn't do it. So I think that's probably more is actually people didn't know something like BRIAM existed. They didn't know how to do the sustainable elements, and that education has happened because it's had to happen. So I think I think that's more what it is 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 actually people are are more aware now of the ways that you can use a standard to improve the quality of your building because BRIAM's not the not the be all and end all, and some some people view it as a tick box exercise. But ultimately, those box tickings that you're doing is improving the quality of your building and the sustainability of it.
1: So, I mean, you talked a bit about there about kind of the occupiers demanding it and the people who work in those buildings demanding a a better, lower sustainability. In a way, it also feels like bringing people into the construction industry, into the properties industry, they're demanding that, you know, the products that we're putting out have to be sustainable as well. They want to be they want to see that value proposition of it being a really really sustainable product that is being provided is is that important to bring a kind of a, the next generation of people into the into the industry
0: i think it's important i think what's more important is we publicize what we do and we show just how interesting i personally find it very interesting i probably i probably bore people too much with how much i enjoy rebar or concrete or cranes i just I think they're really good. I saw some someone's picture a couple of weeks ago and it was about six cranes all lined up and they they'd dropped the crane at, to exactly the same height and it just looked great. And it, it really does make you smile or it makes me smile in terms of seeing that because it's just, as a child, you love playing and building stuff. And then as an adult, probably pre-lockdown people didn't really do that because actually we could go to the pub and we could go out for food. So we tended to to opt for that instead. And then... Actually, as we've all gone into lockdown, people have learned about puzzles again, and people have learned about building stuff and making things to give you a project to give you something to do and actually, we get to do that in real life for our jobs so fantastic and I think that's what we've got to do is we've got to showcase what we do and the sustainability element is there, and it's important and we've got to show that we're being with we're, we're doing right for society because construction has the hairy ass builder as. I think what most people think about construction professionals, and we need to change that. And we need to just shout about what we do and and get people engaged. And that's I'm attempting to do it in my uh, limited social media (laughs) skills. But it's just the one where, yes, I've always found it really interesting. And I think that's what we've got to do to get people encouraged and into our industry.
1: Do you do you think COVID has massively? in some ways benefited the recruitment of people into our industry because you know we strongly believe in kind of sense of place whether that's community or or workplace uh, and the people where people go to be together to kind of share ideas and actually one of the great things about construction sites is that they kept working all the way through COVID and there will be more people hybrid working there will be more people working from home but obviously if you work on a construction site you are in there with your colleagues as part of a team delivering Sonic every day Do you think that will be something that post-COVID is going to really appeal to young people coming into the profession?
0: I think one of the things post-COVID is is probably actually how much contractors are more flexible with their workforce now, because you're right, people would have to be on site as a team. And actually, there's a lot of people who are office-based who do not need to be on site. And that's one of the things that the contractors have learned is you don't need to keep everyone on site. And right now, don't do that. So I think that's really important because actually that's probably what puts a lot of people off the construction industry is it hasn't. I, and that's a too, too harsh a word of it, not. But not everyone is very progressive in terms of thinking about flexible working and flexible working being the hours you work and where you work. And, that's quite important so i think a lot of people females particularly wouldn't be able to do or or females coming back to work and wanting that flexibility to work three or four days a week but then equally the male counterparts who would love to pick up their kids from school or drop them off or the female depending on how you split your childcare duties but more often than not as a percentage, it's probably the female who takes the kids to school and and the gentleman who doesn't or same-sex relationships different as well i don't want to go into that wormhole but in terms of where we are on construction and covid i think it's really important to obviously to, to get the message that you can work flexibly and i think that i think the contractors will probably be benefit the most from it because they've learned that and I think the consultancies always knew that and hopefully what hasn't happened is that people have lost the learning skills because so much of the design process is people being in a room together and talking and standing over a drawing and that you haven't been able to do and it is not the same on teams we've we've struggled with it looking at sites and trying to work out what can we do on it and it it's, it's a lot easier to do it in person. So I think hopefully that hasn't put people off and that people have left the industry because they haven't got that learning. And hopefully the the fact that we've We've suddenly learned that you can be flexible. That also helps.
1: Yeah, it is interesting, isn't it? I think it's quite inspiring to a lot of people who who are potentially looking at careers where they may only do stuff online, that you could actually have a a real tangible experience being in the construction industry. And yet you actually do need to get together. You do need to get to site and things like that. And and, and that is pretty inspiring for lots of people. And hopefully we're going to be able to, I suppose, bring lots of people into the industry. What should we be doing more of to, to bring those people up through? So I
0: think going into schools and if anyone's got a chance to go back to your own school, go to another school and talk to kids and don't just talk to the secondary school kids, because by then they've probably made up their minds. Go in and get the seven, eight year olds really inspired by what by what you're doing and then go back and ask if you can if you can keep talking to them. And I think I think that's that's important and I think when we're on site as well be open to inviting school kids in when you can um when the when the world opens up and and that you get a variety of people going into the school don't just have the one project manager or the the trainee QS who doesn't necessarily want to be there but is going I better look good in front of my boss. Like get a get a range of people because we've got so many different people who work in construction and let's use it and let's invest in our marketing. I think we've got a lot of a lot of good marketing people now in the industry, but it's a handful of contractors or developers who use marketing. And we're we're probably still marketing within our own, our own sphere and not necessarily pushing it out further. And I don't know the answer to that. And I would love to know how we can push it. further to those in our sphere and maybe it is just the fact that you brand your hoarding and people can then go and look up who that person is and and maybe that helps but yeah I think that's I think that's got to be the million dollar question and for me the first one is schools and youth centres and there's a big part that can be played by by going into the youth centres and talking to talking to, to those who are who are less privileged because I think property is still it's still got a stigma as to who we who we have coming into it. We've still not got that diversity. And the youth centres are a good source of people who are there who who just need some help in getting the confidence and who need to learn about what we do and see it. I mean it's it's not hard to walk through Bristol and find a crane and find a construction site. But then quite often we put scaffolding up in front of it for a reason but then you can't see it and then you just it all comes down and everyone goes, oh don't have a clue how that happened so i I think we've i think we've just got to get out there and hopefully when we're all out of covid and everyone is so desperate to speak to people they'll still be desperate to speak to the youth and they'll be desperate to speak to those who are wanting to return to work who have maybe had a covid break because they've been on furlough for a year and go oh maybe i'll do something else
1: absolutely i mean the future of construction i think is the is something that should excite people because, you know, it's going to be one of the sort of big industries that's going to be last to be disrupted by technology. There is so much going on, but I don't think it's really seen by, you know, the, the people out there who are coming in the, into the industry. And I think that's going to be a massive attractor for people. What's the bit about technology that's most exciting about construction for the, for the future?
0: As ridiculous as it sounds, I think it's going to be how... For, for me personally, it's probably less about the technology we put into the buildings and more about the technologies we use to make construction better uh, and more efficient. And some of our processes are are still done sort of manual handling. And actually, I think it's more those sorts of technologies. So there's a product that when I was at university, my dissertation tutor was working on, which is called Skins. And one of the things that they had was basically you put on a pair of gloves and you were able to feel what it was like to have white finger vibration. So if, if anyone's ever held their DIY power tool too long and realised that actually then their fingers have gone numb, well, for construction workers, actually, they can do that and then they've, they've permanently damaged their fingers. And that technology, I thought, was absolutely fascinating. Is That's a great way of... Really explaining what the implications of you repeatedly doing something that you shouldn't, that you don't notice at the time, because it doesn't affect you at the time. But in five years time, that's going to really affect you. It's going to affect you for life. So I think those sorts of processes where actually it shows people what the implications of them not following something could be on them personally in, in their life. I think those could be really good. And similarly, the things that help people do their job easier. So in terms of laying curbs, curbs are incredibly heavy. And I think there's, there's still quite often that it's two people who will pick up one and some very, very strong people will try and pick up one on their own. But you, you can get tools that lay them for you. There's, there's self-laying machines. Well, great, because actually that's just saving someone's back. And I think those that sort of technology is probably what's going to be what's going to be the most exciting for those coming into the workforce because it makes construction more accessible
1: well cool well i mean great that you're out there talking to people inspiring the next generation you know we definitely want to have a a more diverse workforce in construction and property in general it's definitely something we want to see more of i suppose if i was going to close an interesting question for you other than the fact that I'm really sharing your excitement about rebar because I'm a civil engineer by trade. Post-COVID prediction most likely to be wrong? Oh, the, the office is dead. But I don't think that was a post-COVID. I think
0: that was six months in, nine months in, and then 12 months in, everyone went, no, nah, get me back to the office. <laughs> so I think it's, yeah, I think, I think it's going to be, it's going to be how much people use the office. And I think everyone's desperate to get back and, and it's, people are just going to go to the best, the best space that they've got
1: absolutely and it's going to be yeah that flight to quality and that's where we're going to see that you know the best quality spaces whether that's offices leisure retail logistics it's going to be fantastic i would agree
0: yeah. cool super well thanks very much for having me
1: thank appreciate you sir appreciate it